Well, good morning, everyone. It is nice to be together this morning, whether you're joining us here in person or, or online. Thank you for joining us. Now, last Sunday was our anniversary service, and uh, it was a full service. We did a lot of things last week, and it was a lot of fun. And so my hope is if you were here or you joined us in person or online last week, that you were encouraged by something that happened last week. And, um, you know, given how many people were in this space and the energy that the kids brought in, you guys are awesome, but it's not quite as hopping as it was last Sunday. Can I say that? Um, it's a little bit more quiet. I'm not being serenaded as I'm talking. Last, that was sweet. Anyways, it was great last week. Now, as a part of our anniversary celebrations, we invited us as a congregation to give to the work of a better tent city. And this morning, I just wanted to give a little bit of an update because as a church congregation, we gave $4,700 to the work of a better tent city, and that is fantastic. And so I want to say thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for that. Now, I will say that some of us had some difficulty figuring out how do we label our donation with West Heights anniversary, and so I know for a fact that $4,700 is actually not the grand total, that there's a little bit more that came from us as a church community, but either way, can I say to you, thank you for your generosity. I think this is a beautiful way that we express who we are as a community of followers of Jesus by meeting some real needs in our community and partnering in this way with an organization that's doing some excellent work, and so thank you for that. Now, this morning is my privilege to introduce Todd Lester as our guest speaker this morning, and I, I could introduce Todd a couple different ways. Um, I could say Todd was the, was the pastor here for 16 years, and so we've asked him to come back and to speak in that capacity, but I, I haven't. Um, I, 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 I didn't. <laughs> I could say Todd and his wife, uh, Kim, have been back attending. This is their home church now. And so I've asked Todd as a member of our church community to come and speak, and I didn't. <laughs> Instead, I, I've asked Todd wearing the hat. It's clear. The, the man wears many hats, and so we have to be clear here. Todd works for our denomination, BIC Canada, and he is in leadership there, gives some excellent leadership to so much of who we are and what we're about as a, as a church community, as a denominational family. And one of the areas of leadership he gives to is, uh, he, he gives is in to, to BIC Global. And so this morning I've invited Todd to come and to share a little bit about the work BIC Global is doing, and in particular to talk to us about one project that I think is really special. And so Todd, thank you very much. Thanks, Josh. Good morning. It's really, uh, thanks Josh for the invitation today. It's, uh, it's very big hearted, very generous to, uh, to allow me to come and talk about the work of Global today. Uh, I actually have my family here, so some of you ask about the girls. Uh, Kim and I, we attend here, but the girls, um, Brittany and Brooklyn, they grew up at this church, of course, and uh, they have their own apartments now, so they have their own churches, and uh, yeah. <laughs> Most importantly, they pay their own bills. <laughs> so uh, Brittany's a nurse at Grand River, and Brooklyn's a lawyer at Medorn Snyder. Did I get that right? Okay, thanks. It's funny, a couple weeks ago I was preaching in Collingwood. I travel around a fair bit, and someone there said, um, your daughter was our nurse when we had her baby. Said, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> Didn't know what to say, but... Anyhow, so if you're having a baby, you might bump into Brittany. If you're facing jail time, you might bump into Brooklyn. <laughs> uh, BIC Canada Global is the, the arm of our denomination that seeks to serve the global international family. 
The BIC has been committed to sharing the good news of the gospel all around the world for more than 100 years. They started in Africa, and it spread out from there. So I'm in a very long line of people who have worked towards supporting the work of the global family. Today, I just want to do three things. I want to provide you with a quick overview of the organization, BIC Global. I want to discuss why I think this work is important. And I want to share about one specific program that's very near and dear to my heart. You might not know, but the BIC Church is much bigger in other parts of the world than it is in Canada. I would even say the BIC Church is thriving around the world. Here in Canada, we are facing strong forces in secularization, and so there's a resistance to the gospel and the teachings of the Bible. But in other parts of the world... The good news of the gospel continues to spread, and the church continues to grow. Apart from North America, the BIC Global Family is found in three regions of the world. These are like the BIC hotspots. There's Latin America, the Far East, and Southern Africa. And each of these regions has hundreds if not thousands of churches. And although they have more churches than we have in Canada, typically they have very limited resources. So the purpose of BIC Canada Global is to support the international family by funding evangelism and church planting, leadership resourcing, and relief and development. So any monies we send to other parts of the world has to fit into those three purposes. The reason being is that there's a lot of great organizations doing really great work all around the world. You know, organizations like Mennonite Central Committee. It's not as good as BIC Canada Global, but it's a pretty good organization. <laughs> You know, being second's pretty good. <laughs> a lot of you work at MCC, including my wife. <laughs> but MCC doesn't necessarily fund evangelism and church planting. And we believe it is strategically important to invest in leaders around the world. And there are times when there are needs that affect our national BIC church, and MCC isn't there. They can't be everywhere. They can't do everything. So our purpose is to fill in those gaps where others are not addressing the need. And the international family, are they're very innovative, and they're very creative, and they envision amazing projects. But sometimes to fulfill those projects, they need financial partners. 
So if it fits into our state of purposes, uh, when I'm aware of these needs, we either choose to fund it from our budget or we ask churches to consider funding it or we put it online and we let our, our constituency know about it. So active projects that we endorse are on our website. And then, you know, if anything I say today connects with you, you could look at this website, bicanaglobal.com, and there's a list of projects there. That site's brand new. We used to do this annual giving guide, um, but it costs a lot to print that, and we've just decided to put everything online. I hope, I hope this works out okay. But of course, all of this, all that we do is really about the people. So my job is to work with the leaders in the international churches that we serve and to care for those that we send and, and to go out and encourage people to support the work that's going on around the world. The way people work in global missions today, it's, it's changed significantly. People are not as likely to be traditional missionaries like in the past. So here is one of our Canadians who went a number of years ago to work as a nurse at Matcha Mission Hospital. Her name's Amanda, Amanda Sorsentruber. She A couple years ago, she got married to a Zambian. His name's George Amono. So Amanda's actually transitioning to be in a national citizen, a Zambian citizen. But she went there to serve, to express the love of God, the, the message of Jesus by trying to make that hospital, that country better. We have another young woman. She's there right now. We just sent her out just recently. She's there for six weeks, working as a nurse at Masha Hospital, considering whether she would do it on a more permanent basis. She went at this very same age as Amanda, sort of a, a, the very same kind of story. We have a retired couple. Some of you know them, Bab and Keith Colber. And they, they go for periods of three months, and they work on water projects. Again, just to help express the love of Jesus in these places. The last thing I'll say about our, the organizational part here is that... Um, you, as part of this church, are part of a, a bigger family. You're part of a denomination, being Christ Church of Canada, but you're also part of an international family. There's the International Brethren Christ Association. I actually sit on a committee of six people, and we oversee the overall global work. And as part of being on the IBICA, the International Brethren Christ Association, I'm also on Mennonite World Conference. And there's 108 denominations around the world that consider themselves Anabaptists in tradition. And so around the world, uh, our vision of what it means to follow Jesus, which is distinctive and is important, is being supported at the local level, at a national level, and an international level. That's a very quick overview. I know how exciting that all is. <laughs> Let me tell you why I think our global work is really important. As I travel the world, I notice the world has some really big problems. 
See if you agree with my observations about what I consider to be the world's biggest problems. The first thing I've identified is called spiritual blindness. So the first big problem I see in our world is a spiritual problem. In our world, billions of people, they do not know, they have never heard the good news of Jesus. They'll live and die and never know the full expression of the love of God that we know, that we see in Jesus. For billions of people, Jesus, if they even know his name, is just a curse word. When Paul is sent out to the Gentiles, as described in the book of Acts, God says, you will open their eyes from darkness to light. I think spiritual blindness is a big problem in our world. John Wesley said, untold millions are still untold. You could call these people the led astray. The led astray. These are people who are spiritually led astray. The second big problem I notice is poverty and disease. The UN says about 700 million people live in what they call absolute poverty. Absolute poverty, by their definition, means you live on less than $2.15 per day. Then they talk about extreme poverty, conditions which probably covers 1.9 billion people that live in very fragile contexts. It's characterized by impoverished conditions and dire circumstances. And the result of that is... The result of extreme poverty is like yellow fever and typhus and malaria and AIDS and all kinds of waterborne diseases. The number one killer of children is diarrhea. 30,000 children die every single day from what are preventable diseases by Western standards. You know, Aristotle famously said that poverty is the parent of crime. I would say poverty is the parent of disease. You could call these people the left behind. The left behind. The third big problem I see is called, I call conflict and violence. That people live and are surrounded by strife and violence and war. And domestic violence, rape, sexual violence, gender violence, in many places in the world, it's increasing. It's going up, not down. In fact, one of the major causes of suicide among women around the world is domestic violence. And then tens of millions of people are displaced because of political violence and conflict. I mean, just this past month, Violence erupted again in the Middle East. I, I've taken learning tours to Israel the last couple of years for BIC pastors, and we we're going to go this year. And my main contact, who I work with to organize that tour, he emailed me this morning. He says, cousin got called up into the IDF, and we just found out last night that she was killed. Now, think of all the trauma 
of so many people, Palestinians, Israelis, because of this conflict and violence. You could call these people the kicked around. The fourth thing I see I call leadership abuse. In so many countries, those who rule over people, they do it to their own advantage instead of bringing relief and love and support to the people they're supposed to serve. In our world, it's clear to me, we just do not have enough leaders who unselfishly serve those that they lead. Instead, we have leaders who abuse people, their authority. They take advantages for themselves. You could call these people the let down. The let down. And the last problem I see, we call it educational illiteracy. Educational illiteracy. There are many countries in the world where half the population can barely read or write, if at all. In fact, worldwide, women represent two-thirds of all illiterate adults. And when people do not have an education, it's a, it's a kind of imprisonment. You don't realize it because you live in one of the most educated places in the world. But over a billion people are illiterate. How are those people going to be successful in the 21st century? They're not. They're, they're stuck in a cycle of poverty. I mean, even if we wire the entire world with the internet, what good will it do to people if they cannot read and write? It won't help. You could call these people the held back. These are the world's biggest problems the way I see it. The billions of people are led astray, left behind, kicked around, let down, and held back. And the BIC can't fix all of these problems. We can't even fix one of these problems for everyone, but we can help some of the problems for some of the people. For some people, we can make a huge difference. And if every Christian, every church does their part, it makes a huge difference in our world. It's easy to forget about the positive impact of Christianity that is made in our world. Now, we're often reminded about the abuses of Christianity, and they're real. But many places in the world, the, the first hospital is there because of Christians. The first School is there because of Christians. The first orphanage is there because of Christians. Of course, the first church is there because of Christians. It's easy to forget about all the good that's been done in the name of Christ. Time and time again, place after place after place, the Christian church has been there for the led astray, the left behind, the kicked around, the let down, and the held back. It's easy to forget about all the people that have been lifted up because Christians were there to help. In terms of the world's biggest problems, forgive the cliche, but what would Jesus do? It says about 
Jesus in Luke 4, 18, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. Jesus comes back to his hometown. It's a big moment. Local boy makes it good. He comes into the temple. He opens a scroll to Isaiah, and he reads these words, and he says, hey, that's talking about me. Here's why I came. And Jesus said, I came to the world for the impoverished, the injured, the imprisoned, the incomplete, the insignificant. In other words, Jesus came to address the world's biggest problems, the led astray, the left behind, the kicked around, the let down, the held back. It says about Jesus in Matthew 9, verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. When I see the crowds, I go, oh, great. How long is the line going to be? Oh, great. Probably no parking spots left. When Jesus sees the crowds, he has compassion on them. What does he see? The verse says, Jesus sees the way we are, and his heart goes out to us. He sees the led astray, the left behind, the kicked around, the led down, and the held back, and his heart goes out to them. He sees humanity and all of its problems, and Jesus feels compassion. I hope you already know this. The symbol of a follower of Jesus, it's not a bumper sticker on your car. The symbol of a follower of Jesus, it's not a cross or a fish or a dove. The symbol of a follower of Jesus is compassion. As an outcome of the, the Christian compassion of BIC missionaries, the BIC understood long before I ever noted it, that educational literacy is one of the world's big problems. And so as they sent missionaries into the Far East region, India and Nepal, they launched education programs. In fact, if you've grown up in this denomination, you've probably heard reference to a program called SPICE. You might have heard about that program because it was something we used to talk about. It was an education program where children were sent away from their homes. They were sent to boarding homes, boarding schools. And there at the boarding school, they were, they were given education. They were given proper food, uh, all of life's necessities. They were, they were very well taken care of. But you can imagine the disadvantage or the extra cost of running a boarding home. It's interesting, I was in India just about three weeks ago doing training for the leaders of the Far East region part of the world, and one of the leaders, not just a pastor, but a leader of the church in India, BIC Church in India, said to me, he said, Todd, 
my wife and I, we were so poor that we had no hope of going to school, but we were selected to go to a spice program. And he said, if it were not for the spice program, he said, my wife and I would not have received education. And now he's, he was a pastor for many years. Now he's a leader in the church in India. But in 2019, the church in Nepal, they wanted to start a new kind of education initiative that would be more sustainable than spice. It would be cheaper to operate, more connected to the local community. And they launched something they called the Nepal Peace Project. So the word peace, is a, it's an acrostic. It stands for Providing Essential Assistance for Children's Education. I respect the leaders of Nepal. They appreciate a, the good use of an acrostic. We recognize that education is a passport for children to a better future. The BIC has always understood that. They've always known that when you educate a child, you're investing in that child, you're investing in that family, you're investing in that community. And the outlook of the, the community, the economic outlook, the education, the, the job prospects improve as people are educated. When I mention Nepal, you probably think of this. Mountains, right? And, of course, very famous mountain, Mount Everest. But this is where most people in Nepal live. And my hotel is there on the right. It doesn't really look like a hotel. It didn't really feel like a hotel either. Uh, we would probably call it a hostel or something like that. But this is where most people live their lives. This is a small town called Bharatnagar, where one of the peace projects operates in a local church there. And historical geopolitical forces um, hindered Nepal's development in comparison to other countries. And in many of the development markers, Nepal was significantly behind the global standards. Education has been one of those areas. So when BIC missionaries arrived in India and Nepal, they noticed that for the most part, education was only given to those from elite families. Only elite families were permitted to go to a proper school. But then the government, at the, edu at the, uh, the prompting of uh, Western nations, started to invest in education, and it proved significantly. In fact, the World Bank says that uh, in the early 2000s, secondary enrollment increased by about 45%. But then, there were some natural disasters, and as happens in the developing world, when natural disasters are hit a country, educational enrollment goes backwards. And that's exactly what happened in Nepal. I'm waiting to see what the effects of the pandemic will be on educational enrollment. It's only anecdotal to this point, but I've been told by people who live there that enrollment is decreasing again. Because in developing countries, they do not have the wealth like we have in Western countries. The, their infrastructure suffers more significantly when there's disasters. They can't deal with those kinds of things as well as we can. And most concerning is that the ones who have been held back the most 
is girls. Especially girls in poorer regions like Bharatnagar. Because if, if families have limited funding, limited opportunity to send children to school, they typically pick the boys. According to World Education News, children from poor families are often forced to quit school because they have to help their families with farming. They have to walk long distances to attend classes, or they just can't afford the fees. And in some of these areas, uh, just the education of girls is considered uh, of secondary importance. In many places, um, it's still child marriage is still relatively common. According to Human Rights Watch, 37% of girls in Nepal marry before 18, and 10% are married by age 15. So educational literacy is one of the world's big problems. And the Nepal Peace Project is an educational initiative because it's such a prevalent need, and there are really few efforts that transform a person, a community, like investment in, in, in education. Just let me mention um, three things that are really unique about this program. So this program, the Paul Peace Project, was envisioned by local leadership. So the whole idea, it came from Nepal. It came from the leaders of the church in Nepal. They've simply asked the church in Canada to be a partner with them in funding the program. So the way it's been uh, divvied up is that the church in the U.S. will fund the SPICE programs, which are more expensive, and the church in Canada is asked to fund the Peace Project program, the Peace Schools. And so the local leaders are responsible for overseeing the program and implementing the program. I mean, we wouldn't know how to run a program in rural Nepal. We would get it all wrong. We'd mess it up. Everything about this program is by their design. We're simply a funding partner in this very transformational effort. Here's a picture of some of the leaders of the church in Nepal. On your left is uh, Shemlal. He's the head of the national church, the national BIC church in Nepal. And to, to his, on the right, is uh, the local pastor of one of the churches in Bharatnagar who oversees one of the peace project programs. I'll just add this, that it's very difficult for the church to be organized in Nepal because it's a, it's a country that's very much influenced by Hinduism. So they would label themselves as a secular state, but Hinduism has a huge influence in the country. Shamlal, he once came to our AGM here in Canada. He was a speaker. We invited him here to speak. And he talked about how on one occasion he was, he was abducted and beaten and tortured because he's a Christian pastor. He said eventually they released him. But this was done by government officials of Hindu belief. So it's very difficult. They have to do all kinds of workarounds to exist as a church in the country. The second thing that's unique about this program is all based in the local church. So their idea was that they would run this program out of their churches. And as the churches built relationships in the community, they invited any kids who wanted to be part of the program. Uh, it's not just for kids in the church. It's for kids in the community. They could build bridges with people in the community. You're going to hear a powerful story about that in a few minutes. 
but they base it all through the local church. It's all administrated by the local church pastors, like the one you see on the screen. Here's a picture of um, one of the teachers in the program. So when I arrived and I first met him, my first question was, how old are you? He looks like he's 16. I think he's actually like 19. And I'm thinking, you're going to run a program with like 50 kids? So I watched him do it. It was remarkable. They listened to every word he said. They obeyed him completely. I thought, wow, this is different. Complete calm, complete organization, complete respect. So we're giving him employment as an after-school teacher, tutor, mentor to these kids. Of course, the pastor is there as well as, as well as a cook who makes a meal for the children. It was really impressive to watch him and another young woman lead the kids in this program. The third thing I'll say is simply this, that it accesses local education. So the SPICE program in the past, the kids went off into these boarding schools. They were, they were in their separate little areas. This program is an after-school program. So what this funding does is it pays for kids to go to the local public schools. It pays the fees. It pays for their uniforms. It pays the cost of their books. And then they come after school. They come to the church program where they get tutoring and mentoring. And they get all kinds of spiritual activities as part of this. So it's not only helping them get their education, it's helping in the area of spiritual formation. Doesn't that seem like a great strategy? Here's the church where one of the, where the program works, one of the churches where the program is operating. And so they had, well, since I was there, they had a service. They brought everybody together just to thank us uh, for the program. Here's another church we went to visit. So the kids don't have their uniforms on there because it wasn't a school day, but they still all came out to express their thanks. So your donations make a huge impact. Each student's given an opportunity to go to school. They go to the after school program where it's tutoring, where there's basic food and health care, as well as spiritual formation activities. We launched our program in 2019. We had 60 kids in it. I'm glad to say that currently we have 100 kids in the program. When I saw the leaders from Nepal three weeks ago, they said, could we have more? <laughs> I said, we'll see. <laughs> we admire the leaders of the church in Nepal for this very compelling initiative where they're investing in their children and their community and they're building bridges from the local church into the areas they serve. It seems like a beautiful strategy from my perspective. The cost to sponsor child is about $39 a month. The difference between BIC and every other organization you might want to give to is that if you give money to this project, all of your money goes to it. We put it into account and all the money gets forwarded to this program. Thanks to the Being Christ Church of Canada, we don't we don't subtract any administrative costs. 100% of your money goes to the program. I don't think anybody else can do that for you. It's $39 a month. Of course, one-time donations are always more than welcome as well. Here the children are being kids, arriving to the program. I thought, I wonder how they feel about going to school after they've been to school all day. They were totally into it. I thought, man, this is different. They were excited to be there. 
There they are having their meal. Every time I show that picture, people say, oh, I'd like to buy them cutlery. That's the way people in India eat, right? Or Nepal as well. They eat with their fingers. It's totally normal. Adults do that as well. So you might, you would take, these kids can't take for granted that they get a meal like that every day other than when they're in the program. It's not a guarantee for some of these kids. Of course, the spiritual formation is important too. Here's the teacher sort of helping the students with homework. Um, here they are doing their prayers. So they don't pray the way we pray here. Everyone prays at the same time out loud. So there's this thunderous amount of noise in the room. All at once, and it violated my Canadian sensitivities. <laughs> I got over that, and I thought, this is beautiful. Hearing all these, I looked around, every child's praying, every child's participating. Here they are on the school bus, heading home for the day, waving to me as they left. While I was there, we created a video. I think this video is a beautiful, captures a beautiful story that I still find moving every time I see it. Let's play the video. If you're interested in anything I said this morning, uh, you can go to nepalpeaceproject.com, nepalpeaceproject.com, and uh, there's an opportunity to donate there. Um, people ask me, can I write the sponsor child? We don't do anything like that. You'll get no letters. Uh, this is only one part of my job, so that's the reason we can send all the money through to the country because we don't have those luxuries or those other services you might get with a different organization. Um, if you, know, if you join and you want to cancel anytime, we understand. Things happen. We'd be glad to take care of that if that were to be your case. I'll leave you with this quote uh, from John Stott. He said, We must be a global church with a global vision because our God is a global God. So I'm really appreciative of Josh for inviting me today and for your ongoing partnership here as a church with the Cooperative Ministries donations you make because those... Uh, contribute to the to the global work. I really like the story in it's in the book of Luke where there's the four men and they have their their paralyzed friend and they come and they climb up on the roof and they want to lower their friend down to Jesus and I was thinking, you know, how many people does it take to lower a person down like that? Well, it takes four people. If there's only three people, you know, he, he falls off one corner. But in the story, it's Interesting, because Jesus, it seems like he commends their faith, the faith of all of them. Not just the man who's about to be healed, but he commends the faith of the four friends who are lowering him down. It's just a reminder. It took the faith, it took the effort of all of them. Sometimes you can't do it alone. If ever I felt like that, it's with this program. It takes a team who have faith, will work together, and then God works. Takes faith and resources of a team, and then God works. Let's pray. God, I just thank you so much for this church that you are using 
very powerfully in the lives of many people. You are mending hearts, mending relationships, mending this community through the, through the ongoing ministry of Westside's church. Just bless this church as they continue to spread the love of God in this community, as they continue to heal people and, sh- and share the good news of the gospel of Jesus. Help us as we work together as a, as a family of, of churches through our denomination to bring that message to our world. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.